This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Hey, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. Hey, if you have legal matters that involve firearms and you need to call our attorney, John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you need to know that your guns are California compliant, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150. And you can visit his website at dillonlawgp.com. John's the best. We have a prize winner, Dave. Um, let's see. We have uh, we're giving away a, a prize. If you go to if you have a Gun Owners Radio, if you want a Gun Owners Radio prize pack coming your way that includes stickers, patches, and other goodies, all you have to do is go to gunownersradio.com uh, and sign up for the newsletter. And uh, the last person to do that and win is Connie Johnson. Congratulations, Absolutely, Connie. Absolutely, Connie. Congratulations. So we're going to, I guess we contact Connie. I don't even know how that works, but I guess we contact Connie. I think you give it. that to your producer. Yeah, that's okay. why we have producers here. Right? Well, we have producers. All right, Connie, you're going to get a prize pack with all kinds of cool stuff. Tell all your friends, thank you so much for listening. Uh, congratulations. What's going on, guys? Uh, I'm going to go buy a Smith & Wesson 44 mag on Tuesday. Are you really? Yep. What are you doing lucky. Thing? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Well, because my wife's cousin wants one, but he wants his all etched. And the more we got to talking about it, I said, oh, you know, what the hey, I got a little mad money. Why not? So I'm going to go get one. But I'm not going to get it. I'm going to get a six-inch barrel so that way I don't blow myself into the woods. You don't put your eye out? No, nope, I'm going to get my uh, Clint Eastwood jacket and turtleneck sweater. Where are you going? Anywhere in particular? San Diego County or San Diego Gun Owners. Gun Owners, gun owners San Diego. Talk to Jay. We selling those now? Yeah, I don't know. Where are you going? No, got the one on Balboa. The gun range. Oh, gun range, San Diego. Yeah, yeah. What am I thinking? <laughs> so I talked to Jay, and he says, mm, Justin? They're a little. No, he said Jay. I don't know. I don't know a Jay, but he knows us. Oh, okay. And I says, well, I don't know. He says, we can get them. He says, it's going to take a little time. I said, okay. So I'm kind of excited now. That's very cool. You ever fired a 44 mag? I have. I've fired a 44 mag, yeah. Yeah. I think I've. I think I've fired a, a Smith & Wesson 45. Yeah, I I so, and I don't know. It's just kind of cool. My wife looked at it, and she says, I'm not firing it. I says, no, it'll blow you into the backyard. <laughs> a 44 Magnum is one of my, that's, that's uh, I don't really fall in love with guns. I've said that a hundred times on the show. I don't either. But that's, there's a, uh, it's the uh, Colt, what's the Colt 44, the Anaconda? Yeah. Yeah, the Colt uh, Anaconda, Bill DC from CCW USA. Yeah, yeah, it'll yeah, be on yeah. next segment. Um, that's a gun I fell in love with and uh, am, am determined to own. At What's some the difference point. between those two? Yeah, they just, just two, two different manufacturers, two different yeah. looks. Um, I think the Anaconda's got like a seven and a half inch barrel, okay. typically. Yeah. Um, it's got a it, just a little bit different angle on the grip, uh, you know, same. Yep, and I love the sound. There's just something about bang. Yeah. That 44 mag. And my, my cousin, he sends me a video of this guy shooting water bottles with a 44 mag. Oh, wow. I go, 
maybe we could get a tro- a target that's a little bit more, you know. I took a years ago. I took a water. I took a bunch. Of, I went and got a bunch of watermelon, and I wanted to see. I took them out to the to the desert, and I wanted to see what each caliber will do oh, okay. to a watermelon. You know, yeah. and I had a thirty out six and a five five six AR, and I had a nine millimeter and a forty five, and a twelve gauge, and I forget what other calibers. Anyway, the answer is every single caliber completely obliterates a watermelon. That's the, there's like no difference. Yeah, I was just gonna say I don't think you're gonna see a lot of difference. So. And then the funny thing is, we're out in the desert, blew these things up. Later that night, we are uh, sitting around the campfire. It's uh, really you know it's dark, and uh, one of the one of the people that was there, the guy, one of the guys I was with there, launches himself out of his chair. Oh my God, what is that? Look out into the darkness, and there was this adorable, fuzzy little, about a two-pound little desert fox who was munching on the watermelon. Ah! He found himself a watermelon buffet. He was in heaven. Oh, yeah. You know, he's been walking through that desert his whole life, and suddenly he finds watermelon. And had never seen a watermelon probably in his life. Yeah, and the guy I was with here, he was way brave. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was ready to launch an attack on this cute, fuzzy little. And he didn't, hopefully. He didn't. Yeah. So. Yeah. I don't know. So listen, everybody. So what's all going the, on in all, your world? I, I, everybody listen and listen. It's, uh, here's your opportunity. I mean, I can't tell you how many times over the years I've heard from, from gun owners uh, how they're, they're, they're locked and loaded and they're ready for, for revolution. Well, I got to tell you, we, if you missed your opportunities over the last couple years here with COVID and decided not to revolution there, Ukraine, you can load up your guns, go to Ukraine. Now's your time. They've been talking a, a big, you know, a big, big talk for, mm-hmm. for, for 10, 15 years while I've been an activist. You know, oh, I'm not going to go to a, I'm not going to help out with a campaign. I'm not going to get involved in politics, but if they ever show up at my door, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 you know, revolution, here we come. Boogaloo. Remember a couple of years ago, Boogaloo, Joe? Yeah, yeah. Everybody was talking about the Boogaloo. Yes, I do. Well, here's your opportunity, guys. Get on a plane. Go to Ukraine. You got some commies to fight. Free bullets. Yep. Free guns. Free bullets. Free guns. And did you hear where um, uh, Childress, Richard Childress, donated a thousand or hundred hundred thousand rounds of, of ammo to Ukraine? No. Is that the NASCAR guy? Yeah, and he's painted it on the back of his NASCAR. Support. I think it was more than that. It was like a million. Well, there was a there was a gun man or a ammo manufacturer, I think, That's in Arizona. It. That yeah. donated a million rounds. Yeah. Wow. I was like, what about and, us? And, <laughs> yeah, what about us? So, yeah. So, Richard Childress is, well, he's a big hunter anyway. So, and he works with a company that makes ammo. So, I think it was a million rounds. Yeah. Well, Which they're going to need it, let me tell you. Million rounds. I mean, I'm assuming he's going to, it'd be pretty funny if he donated 5.56 five, ammo and they got over there. Like, hey, we <laughs> We can't. Well, yeah, it's got to be. It's, we need new guns. We need new guns it's, quick. It's got to be the thirty cal. What's the what's the Russian thirty by what seven six two by three nine? By yeah, by three nine. Yeah. Thank you, Bill DC. Bill DC would know that. Uh, it's got to be. Hey, that. before I pull the trigger, how much is a forty four mag bullet, <laughs> so to speak? I was thinking that as you were saying that. <laughs> Why are you I, laughing? Because I just had a client looking for forty four ammo, and yeah. it's really hard to find. LAX is probably your only choice right okay. now because the Ammo Brothers is out. But it's. Uh, a uh, box of uh, 50 rounds is, I think for the 38 or 44 special, is $60 for 50 rounds. Oh, that's Over a dollar a round. Over a buck round. No problem. Well, the, the I, Magnum on, rounds may be harder to find. On the video, they said that most people load their own <laughs> instead yeah, of going you out. load your own? Yeah, that's what, not me. <laughs> I am not trusting myself. 
I was lucky enough to shoot a tree. I cut a tree down Saturday. I'm sure as hell not going to load my own ammo yeah. with a gun. Yeah, you'll be no able to, with a chainsaw. Oh, all right, you'll, you'll be, just, be able to do that with the 44 mag. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah, what? I never even thought yeah. of that. Landscaping. I could, could have saved all that four, four or five rounds with a 44 mag. I never. That's what I should have done. I wasn't yeah. thinking. I had a. Uh, I actually had a. I had my credit card down on the counter at Discount Gun Mart with. Uh, uh, it was uh, the Smith and Wesson 500. Mm. Yeah, I, I was ready to go and walked away. Said, "Nope, not doing it." Why not? And I still think about. It. I don't know. Kind of a novelty gun, you know. It's not even. I mean, a 44 is you know pretty useful in many situations. 50, <coughs> the, the 500, kind of a novelty. I'm gonna get a holster too. Yeah, absolutely. Western under, holster under, under the armpit. Under my armpit. <laughs> I'll kind of walk. I'll walk with a lean, but I'll put it right. I mean, I got to do that. Come on. And then I've, I've already been eating hot dogs, so I'm halfway there. And then you got to get, you got to get like, you got to wear like a, you got to go to a, uh, you got to get like a, like a, oh, like a, like a crown Vic, you know? Yeah, like a, I got to like get a, a crown Vic. A brown and I, crown and I think, Vic. Didn't, wasn't his barrel blued? I don't think it was, I have to get it. I've got to. Yeah, he, he did not. His was not chromed. Yeah, I know. Well, you're I'm talking about Dirty I, see, Harry. See, you're Red Dawn. You know who I'm wrote, Dirty Harry. You know who wrote the first Dirty Harry? Who? No. John Millius. <laughs> How did you know? The guy uh, that did Red Dawn. Me. Well, I mean, it would, I mean, you could tell by the way he laid that out yeah. where we were going to go with it. He was Well, that's his thing. He was known for dialogue. So that whole, you know, are you feeling lucky, punk? Punk. That was John Millius. You know, it's funny, actually. You know, we, we tease you about that, but I, I see his name on a lot of stuff. Yeah. I mean, on a lot of movies and yeah. shows. It's like, wow, that one, too? He yeah. wrote the entire Rome series. Yeah, that's right. He did. Yeah. yeah. I see her on TV all the time, too. Yeah, she's doing great. I've, I've listened to Amanda, his uh, daughter, <laughs> done a couple of, uh, of uh, like, podcasts, and I think she's going to do... I think her next project. Oh, we got to go to break. Yeah. Next project is uh, going to have to do with COVID. But anyway, well, we got to check it out. All right, hey folks, don't touch that dial. Bill DC is in the house from CCW USA. He's going to talk about how to get your first gun training classes. So stay tuned. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM ninety six one, AM eleven seventy. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. <laughs> the answer. Out in left field. Right on cue. Yeah. That might have been my fault. It was. When you go to your first firearms class, it can be intimidating. What should you wear? Should you buy anything first? What's proper etiquette? What if you don't have the four... Uh, rules of gun safety seared into your soul. Let's talk about it next. But first, self-defense and emergencies can happen to anyone, and there's no guarantee that the justice system will be on your side. Make sure you are protected for the legal battle after your self-defense battle. While you protect your family and property, U.S. Law Shield is here to defend you 24-7, 365 days a year with comprehensive self-defense coverage at an affordable price. Bad guys don't take days off, and neither does our coverage. Hey, listeners, you can get a free T-shirt when you use the code GUNOWNERSRADIO. Sign up today. Go to uslawshield.com. Hey, Bill, how's it going? Very good, sir. Haven't seen you in a while. Everything good? Good to be seen. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no kidding. How are the classes? 
classes full. are good. They're mostly full. Uh, a lot of private lessons going on. A lot of uh, a lot of range training. A lot of people getting training, beginner, intermediate, and advanced yeah. training. Are you seeing more and more private lessons? I am personally because I actually like private lessons a little bit better. They're more individualized to the student. Yeah. A lot of times, people get lost in a group class. Right. Uh, or what happens is the group class tends to focus on the lowest common denominator. So whoever needs the most help mm, gets the most help. Right. Everybody else occasionally gets ignored or, or doesn't get a lot of attention. So if you're doing well, um, you just keep doing well. Uh, and then whoever has whoever has a safety issue or mm. a real problem with their fundamentals, that's who gets most of the attention. So so if if you either join the group or do it individually how much of a cost difference is it if you don't you don't need to give me a dollar amount i mean is it huge is it small i'd like to say it's substantial okay <laughs> so yeah it's different uh it's well the reason i say it i mean if you're i mean because it's a one-on-one -on -one, right yeah. it's one-on-one -on -one. i have a lot of the folks i have it's not a, a monetary issue it's more of a like hey i want to learn this without a group of other people there mm -hmm. i want to learn without 27 other questions uh, I, I have my own 27 questions, and I want to focus on my specifics. And also, there's a variety of reasons people get into shooting, from competition, self-defense, home defense, personal protection, um, just want to learn how to shoot, but I'm not going to buy a gun. Right. Uh, there's a, a variety of different things, but most of it, I say 95% of it is mindset or a mental acceptance that, hey, the police may not show up, and I may have to protect myself, Right. and this, this baseball bat or this can of pepper spray or whatever other method you have planned isn't a full plan i i, I want to include a firearm but that's a vastly personal decision for people to make well it seems to me i would almost rather do a one-on-one -on -one. i mean i've seen the way you shoot you should yeah, definitely i know do yeah, definitely definitely but it just seems to me because <laughs> what because you're right when you're doing a big major group you're trying to cover uh, the, all the bases. Yeah, and what you're typically doing is you're force feeding a whole bunch of information right. to a different audience. You don't you don't get the validation that everybody's understood everything. In a one on one or even a small group, I get a lot of couples, husband and wife, uh, father son, mother daughter, uh, folks that will come out, or the whole family. And in that group, you can really validate that people are getting the information. And because it's one on one or one on two like that. Uh, it's very easy. We see a, a lot faster learning curve. Mm -hmm. So that means you get more information, you absorb it better, you retain it better, and you follow through with it better. So you can not just learn the words or how to do it, you actually can apply it right. much quicker than in a series of group classes. How long do your classes go, say, between a group and an individual? Uh, so our group classes are typically eight hours for the initial permit class or initial class like that, or renewal classes, four hours. And then for private lessons, I do two-hour lessons is kind of the minimum on the indoor range. I'll do two or three hours. On the outdoor range, it's typically four hours mm -hmm. or longer. Okay. And I have people do uh, – just did a six-hour class uh, for long-range rifle. So, mm -hmm. But that's there's a lot of math involved. There's yeah. computers. There's nah, all that. kinds of good I'm stuff involved shoot. there. <laughs> but uh, but it, just shooting guns, four hours is kind of a good time period because – after that, people start to fatigue a little bit. They get a little bit tired. They lose mental clarity and focus. Uh, so that's kind of a good time frame that I see on the outdoor range. And then some people are just, you know, more more uh, interested in or more focused. So they'll they'll stick it out for five or six hours right. on an outdoor range. After six hours, 
uh, especially one-on-one like that, because you're doing more individual shooting. You're actually shooting more rounds or getting more instruction individually. Uh, after that, your brain gets full. Uh, you get tired. Again, mm-hmm. you start to fatigue. Uh, so I, I don't typically do that, although I've had guys come down and do three eight-hour classes in a row, you know, Whoa. private one-day classes in a row. Wow. It's a lot. It's a lot. Are you, what's the most, like, what's the most, but you've been doing this like 150 years. No, it's only actually been 30 years. 30 years. Um, 50 years. The, uh, you know, what, what's the most motivating thing about it? You know, like, what, what do you, because you've, you've had thousands of students over 30, 30 years. Um, you know, a lot's changed from in the last 30 years. A lot's changed in the last five years. Um, what's, what's like the one thing that you're just like, man, that's, you know, what, what really gets you motivated? What really drives me is seeing the progress of people that go from, and I've had people go from being terrified of guns, mm-hmm. like actually crying while they're waiting to go on the range, crying yeah. and sobbing hysterically, I did. hopefully before the range. I think that was you, that wasn't was it? <laughs> and, um, and then I've had people, you know, start crying while they're on the range or yeah. just get really upset or it brings back, uh, it flashes back to a really negative memory or negative past mm-hmm. experience. And then they work through that, but then to see the progress or how they how they grow in that short period of time, and it could just be you know an hour in the classroom, an hour on the range, and all of a sudden they're like motivated, they're competent, and they're confident. So they've developed some competence. They're capable of using the gun, safely operating it, manipulating it. They know the basics, and they can hit the target. And they it's the realization that they can do it, uh, and that maybe they can do it well. That really, uh, that's that's my value. Do you have stories? You must have at least one, um, a story where you know you taught somebody or made them better, took them to a competition, whatever, private class. Um, you know, got them into guns. Somehow you were responsible for them being a gun owner or a CCW holder or both, and they came back later and said, "You're not going to believe this. I had to actually defend myself." Yes, I have had that occur. I've also had it occur where they say, my wife hates you because now I have so many guns. <laughs> and uh, and they didn't which, have which any one, guns. Which one of those two is more rewarding? <laughs> I'd say more rewarding is the, uh, but just a good example, I, I trained a group of Marines out at uh, 29 Palms. And it was just a multi-state CCW permit class. They're getting like Utah or Arizona permits to carry out of state. And this guy was heading back to Texas. He called me up from the road and said, hey, I pulled over at a gas station. Mm. Um, it was late at night in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, I had, had my gun on. And as, this, uh, as he was pumping his gas, a guy approached him like out of, just out of the bushes, out of nowhere, just came wandering up. And he's like looking at him. He's thinking, that's kind of weird. So he steps back. And as he steps back behind his truck, he sees another guy sneaking up on him from the side. Whoa. He draws his gun, points it at, at the first guy, the guy that's closer to him. And that guy stands up and runs away. He points it at the other guy. They both run away. There's no uh, attendant at the gas station. It's like a pump your own gas kind of thing mm-hmm. in the middle of the night. So he call he he has no cell phone reception. He gets in his car. He drives for a while. He finally gets reception. He contacts I think it was whoever it was Highway Patrol or somebody, and tells him what happened. And they said, yeah, that's been happening a lot out wow. here. Wow. Uh, so this wasn't a new thing. It wasn't anything he was expecting or aware of. But just some of the things we talked about with situational awareness, paying attention, having a gun. Uh, that he he credits that with potentially saving his life, and he didn't have to shoot anybody. Yeah, just think if he didn't have the gun, it'd yeah. be a different story. He to, it was a total ambush attack. Uh, if he hadn't been paying attention, if he didn't have the gun, 
could have gone much differently. I mean, that has to be on top of the list. Those stories have to be top of the list of things that make that you, that I know has to give you a real special feeling inside. It does. It makes me feel like uh, the purpose of what I do. It, I genuinely feel like everything we do is to help people uh, better prepare themselves for something that we hope and pray never happens. But if it does happen, they're better prepared for it. And I mean, you and you multiple. We had one guy. One guy, um, I, he was uh, he wanted to get a CCW, and he was having a hard time with licensing. It was right at the beginning when people could start getting their CCWs. So I, I, I helped clear the way. He gets a CCW. Six months later, he has to pull from concealment. You know, he doesn't have to pull the trigger, but he's about to be attacked. And he called me up, and he said, oh, my gosh, you know, it's amazing. I, that, that one story, you know, where I was barely involved was like, you know, Made your day. I I think I'm better than everybody. You know, that's. <laughs> I think I'm better than everybody. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean, it really just has an impact. Like I, you know, holy cow. And I, it's just that's got to be it's got to be a really cool feeling. Bill. Yeah, there is a purpose to that. And then, well, just some of the information that we share. We don't know how many people are going to adopt some of the stuff. Some people come back to me after two years and they go, "Hey, I've never even carried my gun for two years," and I go, "Okay, well, that's." That's not helpful. That's not good. <laughs> that um, was a waste of time yeah. and money. <laughs> and uh, But they still want to have their permit just in case they decide it's going to be a day that they might be attacked and then they're going to carry it. Uh, <laughs> that they're going to have, you know, maybe they have a dream ahead of time and it's time to carry it again. It's like but, CCW roulette. Yes, yeah. it is. So um, those guys, I say, hey, get some pepper spray. Carry that all the time. But uh, I had another student just recently in class that uh, lives in a nice part of San Diego County and he had somebody wander into his house middle of the middle of the afternoon and because he followed some of my guidelines, he was carrying his gun on his person in his house. And he, the guy came in uh, kind of disheveled um, from one of the canyons near his house. And he uh, pointed his gun at him and held him there till the police got there. And the police came in and arrested him. Wow. Uh, so now who's, had, who's, who's like your best student or maybe, maybe your favorite best student. Like, you know, anybody come to mind? Like oh, maybe, Michael Schwartz. I knew yes. it. I knew yes. it. I knew I was. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've had that discussion before because uh, I have a lot of I'm really impressed with a lot of my students because they're other things that they do. They're not they're not just shooting a gun or anything. They have other they're one. They're very, very intelligent. I'm still talking about you, Mike. Yeah. Good looking. Um, uh, I know that's coming. You know, handsome, good looking, sure. well dressed. Uh, <laughs> they drive nice cars. No, they're uh, they they have um, an analytical mindset. So they're. I hate to say it, but a lot of times I think they're just smarter than me. So they share a lot of information about uh, what they're doing and things they're focused on and things that are important to them. And that lets me kind of adapt the training lessons to their environment. What are you normally? Are you normally traveling? Are you normally at home? What's the what's the circumstance? Yeah, that makes sense. Just think what you could have done for Alec Baldwin. Oh, man. Does that does that kind of keep you up at night thinking about that situation? Not at all. It makes me wonder uh, why people stayed on that set, and then it makes me wonder how 1883 was so good and there was no problems because they had a professional staff. Exactly. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Why? Because this is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, if you've watched Biden's State of the Union address, which I did not, he talked about ghost guns. 
universal background checks, assault weapon bans, allowing gun manufacturers to be sued for criminals using the product, and Kevlar armored deer. Who wrote this? And then he told you. He said that. There. Did he really? Yes, yes he, he said did. that. It was pretty bad. Kevlar armored deer. That's a direct quote from, from our president. Yeah. He didn't even whisper that one. No. Man, am I glad I didn't yeah. watch it. Kevlar he, armored deer. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then he told you that these laws do not infringe on the Second Amendment. Either he doesn't know what infringe means or he thinks we don't know what the mean what this means. Either way, that's not good. I think he had brain freeze from eating ice cream before he went on stage. Well, the president does not get the Second Amendment. No. So what can you do about it? Join a Second Amendment act, active activist group like the San Diego County Gun Owners, San Diego SDCGO organizes fun events where you can uh, where you can connect with other gun owners and help get more pro to amendment officials elected. Join today. Go to gunownersradio.com slash join. He right. actually said that? Yeah, he said it. It was pretty bad. The whole speech was horrible. I, it was really scary, I got to tell you. Did you watch um, the whole thing? I, I I honestly did not. Did you throw I, up? I watched. No, I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched highlights where somebody boiled down. You know, They basically took what was it like 45 minutes of bs and boiled it down to about five and a half minutes of bs um and i so i just kind of you know through all the pomp and circumstance was thrown out and they just kind of edited down to the meat and potatoes and man it was some pretty rancid meat (laughs) and the potatoes weren't all that good either hey so we're talking to bill dc from ccw usa bill one of the things i like about you very very much and respect about the way you do business is uh i've you take other people's classes a lot and one of the things I am, uh, I kind of kind of makes me laugh. I'm a little critical of the of us, all of us here in the gun world. We tend to make mountains out of molehills, you know. And we tend, and everybody thinks they're the only one that's right. You know, there's only one way to skin a cat, and I know exactly the way, and everybody else is wrong. You are not that guy at all. You're, no. you're you go and you train with other people. You have a lot of respect for other trainers. Um, you're you're open minded to uh, you know changing or, or or you know tweaking techniques that sort of thing um talk about that why why is that important to you well um i'm a big fan of bruce lee and he was a kind of a non-traditional martial artist that basically said uh you know no way is way uh no method is is totally complete so you learn different things and you adapt them to yourself so there's self-defense or self uh situation awareness and self-awareness and self-awareness is understanding that um your attributes your physical attributes uh, have to kind of be part of your overall safety plan. So what works for one person, if I said, hey, Mike, you're just going to pin the guy against the wall and punch him in the stomach, yeah. give that to an 85-pound uh, or 85-year-old, 95-pound woman, and that's not going to work well. Hmm. So it depends on the individual attributes of an individual on what's going to work for them. And there's, there's like you said, there's I, I like cats, so I don't skin cats, but there's hmm. a million ways to solve a problem and not – I wouldn't say one of them is right in every situation. So there's different things we learn. And I've learned a lot more as an instructor by taking, not instructor classes, but by taking classes as a student because I learn how other instructors teach and what sticks with me, what resonates with other students, and what actually gets results so I can become a better instructor by being a better student. 
and, and you are a good student. You're an instructor. You're a professional, and you are a good student. I've been in classes with you, and you are indistinguishable from the rest of the. You know, you're not the guy going. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm well, not. This is the way to, I do yeah, it. I'm not blah, there blah, to blah. tell people. I'm paying to go to a class to learn your way of doing it, and then, uh, and I'll give you credit if I like your way. And uh, and <laughs> usually I learn something, uh, something sometimes really profound about uh, teaching, training, methods. Grip, stance, fundamentals, anything. It's You're never too old to learn new things. And I think that's the problem with a lot of instructors. They get stagnated. They go, hey, I've been teaching this since the 1950s, and it worked then, so it works now, and we're just going to keep doing it this way because I know it worked in 1962. Uh, the reality is everything evolves. Uh, martial arts evolved. Uh, uh, shooting, to me, is a martial art. It's evolved as well. Uh, concealed carries evolved. Uh, types of guns have evolved. Shooting methods have evolved. And if you look at the top shooters in the nation, they've highly evolved. Uh, the mm. you know they're setting new records. They're just the capabilities are, are amazing. And then the uh, also just adult learning methods. How people learn things by doing them more than they learn things by watching a video or or, or uh, uh, hearing about it or telling someone, okay, here's what we're going to do, stance, grip, side alignment, trigger press, follow through. And they're going to go, okay, I understand. But they're going to learn and retain a lot more by actually doing it hands-on, feeling what they're doing. That one-on-one -on -one type environment is really helpful uh, for getting people to retain information and then be able to apply it themselves and then asking asking questions so i ask a lot of questions in private lessons so i think so the question so the, the the theme here of the interview is what to do when you when you're taking a class and, I, and it's really more about taking a first class right it was what we kind of talked about but i i think this is an important point to make this is how you take a class you know whether you're a brand new shooter experienced or an expert or whatever that's how you take a class i i, I take classes with people or i have taken classes with people that are experienced and it's there's nothing more annoying than the guy that's you know they, they taught isosceles can you believe it i'm all about weaver you know all right man you know just learn their thing and then either do it or don't but you know and i, I very much respect that about you bill i think yeah, it's an important point that that's how you take a gun class and i don't know if you're aware that the weaver stance was actually created by uh sheriff jack weaver because he had a shoulder injury uh he couldn't straighten his arms so he couldn't really do isosceles so it worked better for him but it also worked better for a lot of people shooting at distance back then because everyone at that time was shooting from the hip. They're hip shooting like cowboy shooting. Right. Uh, and that's, uh, that's evolved as well. So there's now there's, we have all kinds of, we have sports psychologists and physiologists and uh, physics involved in shooting uh, where we're, there's mathematical equations and engineers involved. And you can, there's a lot more to it than just like hold the gun, point here, aim there, press the trigger. Uh, so there's a lot of, uh, diagnosing of fundamental issues that once they're improved, all of a sudden we have a, a much better result. Uh, so it's it's evolved substantially, and I I get that only because I attend classes and I learn from other instructors. At some point, it's I, I, you almost have to like I don't know maybe I don't know if you guys I don't know Joe maybe you'll disagree with me here, but at some point in your shooting career, you, you, you almost have to I think you have to like get rid of the idea of isosceles modified or Weaver. You know, at some point, you have to go, look, I need to be able to pull the trigger and hit the target no matter where my feet yeah. are. Well, I, I, people are surprised when I have them shoot right hand, left hand. They're surprised when I have them shoot sitting down. I just had some private students shooting uh, laying on their back, on their side, different positions, inside a vehicle, outside a vehicle, underneath a vehicle. Uh, a lot of different things people have never even thought of uh, that they're, 
that they're capable of doing uh, without even thinking about it because they're still aligning the gun with the target, manipulating the trigger. Uh, so just putting people in those situations uh, is a learning environment for them, and it, it, it really uh, it, it grows their, their whole thought process a lot faster. Uh, yeah, getting into a stance. How many, how many real fights do you see on the Internet where somebody gets into a karate stance? Yeah, I know. Not right. very many. Yeah. Um, mm. Well, that's how you know it's that's that's a real good indicator that, that might might be staged. <laughs> might, might be a staged video. Might not be real. Well, okay. So Jackson's been shooting for for at least a year now. How long have you been shooting now, Jackson? Like a year? About a year and a half. About a year and a half. He's just getting into competition. He's just starting to learn, you know, how to compete. Uh, what advice do you have for someone like Jackson that's just starting to, to you know, they've taken a bunch of classes. Now they're, you know, getting into the sport of it. What advice do you have? Uh, have fun with it. The, the biggest thing is people get, uh, and I'd say more adults, get spun up in their head, and they, they can choke out a little bit because they're too focused on results versus enjoying the process or having fun with it and enjoying what you're doing um, and then also making a learning process because actually we learn more from making a mistake. If we make a mistake, we can learn, hey, I did something. Look, I got all these good hits, but I here I missed the target. What did I do? And make a correction for the next time. So it becomes a learning and growing process, but also you're enjoying it, so it's fun. So it's not, uh, doesn't become work or too challenging or too much pressure. Uh, we see a lot of times people use the timer as a, uh, we call it a mind eraser because you, you know the stage, you kind of know exactly what you're going to do, where you're going to reload, where you're going to shoot, and then all of a sudden the timer goes off, you forgot what you're supposed to do. Uh, so there, I'd say, again, with shooting, with competition, with all that, it's 95% mindset, 5% mechanics. Uh, with the training you have, your mechanics are probably really sound, really good. I know Thomas, the guy you train with, fantastic trainer. Uh, so if you can... Um, have those fundamentals, your, your stance, your grip, your uh, side alignment, your trigger press, all the fundamentals are there. Then it's just a matter of putting it all together and allowing it to happen. It's like the difference between practicing a sport and playing a sport. If you're practicing soccer, you're doing a bunch of drills. If you're playing soccer, you're playing the game, you're enjoying it. What question? Do you have a question for him, Jackson? What's your, what's your question that you like to ask? He doesn't have what's, a question. What's your favorite gun, remember? What's your favorite gun? <clears throat> there you go. My favorite gun is the one I have in my hand. No, that's a, <laughs> that's my universal answer. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Um, that, that's a big question because I say my favorite gun is a SOCOM 16 308 caliber rifle. Wow. But I can't carry that with me. Hmm. Uh, so I have favorite handguns, favorite shotguns. Benelli M2 is my favorite shotgun. Uh, handguns. Uh, I, I don't want to contradict myself, but because I do uh, work out of the Glock store, but I currently really like the <laughs> Sig 365 XL with a Wilson grip, with a Romeo Zero red dot optic on it. That's hey, probably my favorite. You could work at a Chevy dealership and like a Mustang. It's okay. I do like Mustangs. Yeah, I knew. I knew you did. <laughs> what about that TRP? Do you still have that TRP? I do not. That was gifted to my son. Oh, that's right. I remember that story. Yeah. And it's <laughs> he, he like. Right he here still in, has it. Didn't right he still here has in it. California. Something weird happened, though. Didn't he, like, rattle can it or something? Or No, he, had, he took it to the armory and Cerakoted it, uh, but he Cerakoted the whole thing. <laughs> the sights. Everything. The inside, the outside. So it had, like, about a 40-pound trigger after that. <laughs> oh so we had God. to do a lot of work on it to get it back to normal. So, so Bill, let me. this is a question I've always wondered about. Say you get somebody that's up in age. 
and their eyesight is not as what it used to be. And let's say they have one eye that's for distance and one eye for up close. But yet, let's say it's the left eye that's for distance, but they're right-handed. How do you compensate for something like that? Well, that's not actually a problem because what you want to see is the sights. You want to see the sights on the gun. So the close-up, the 18 inches out in front of your face is where you're looking. at. You're focused on that front sight. Now, the other things that really help people when your vision gets to the point where you go, have really have a hard time seeing my sights, we've got really good success with red dot optics. Not for everybody, mm-hmm. but uh, it's an option. And then lasers are not a bad option if they're sighted into your gun. Uh, you put the laser on the grip or on the gun. Crimson Trace has some great products. And uh, there's a lot of laser lights available that you can uh, put a light and laser combo on a gun. And then that laser tells you the gun is lined up with your target. So for someone who is not going to invest a whole lot of time in training, the laser is, I don't want to say it's, it's kind of a crutch and it is battery operated so it could fail, but it is a alternate sighting method that allows you to line up your gun with a target. Gotcha. The red dot is a little different. It does require training and practice to get better with a red dot, but I see the learning curve with red dots going a little bit faster. So people starting with a red dot do really well. I still encourage them to learn how to use iron sights for backup or use iron sights just so they know how. Yeah, just, yeah, cause you never know. But that red dot is kind of, it's magical. It's a magical fairy dust inside the red dot that lines the gun with the target and just works really well. It's, we've been using it for rifles for years and just in the last, I'd say five years, it's been more, uh, applied to handguns. I've only been doing it for about two years, uh, on a handgun and, uh, and I really like it. That's kind of my, my choice. Um, mostly cause I haven't had any failures <laughs> yet. Awesome. All right. All right. Let's take a quick break. Let me look at the bottom next. Stan Kaplan and his campaign for the 51st Congressional District. Is that true? You sure? Not going to yell at him? Good. Oh, geez. Here we go. Folks, you're listening to Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. So stick around. We're going to hear from... Hey, 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 what are you doing over there, little guy? (laughs) So stick around. We're going to hear from Stan Kaplan, who's running for the 51st District for Congress. That's why we need CL1 as a sponsor. I keep telling you, bring some of that CL1 in here. Hey, a lot of companies waste a lot of money on their website. The reason why is because they don't have a clear message. You are wasting money if you don't have a clear message. So SageTree gets it done. Since 2005, SageTree has been helping companies connect with customers here in San Diego and across the nation. Contact them today to get a a better return on your investment from your marketing dollars. Go to SageTree.com and learn a whole lot more. All right, our next guest is Stan Kaplan. He's running for Congress in the 51st District. If you don't know where the 51st District is, that's one of the reasons we're having Stan on. Uh, Stan, are you there? I am here. Can you hear me? Perfectly. So tell us, where is the 51st District? I'll give you some boundaries. On the northern end, it's uh, Highway 56, and it goes as far north as Rancho Penasquitos, Carmel Mountain Ranch, and then down to Scripps Ranch. 
on the west it's the five and uh then the southern border would be the highway eight going over to lemon grove uh spring valley la mesa the city of el cajon and back up around to uh san carlos and tierra santa and uh scripps ranch so it's a very includes mira mesa it's a very large geographic area and what inspired you to run for congress well, uh, a number of things. Uh, first of all, uh, you know, when I grew up, uh, 8 o'clock the bell rang in school. We stood up and we pledged allegiance to the flag. Uh, we were taught uh, a reasonable traditional American history, the essence being that, uh, you know, we, we loved our country. We respected the founders. Uh, you know, uh, Memorial Day and the 4th of July was a big deal. So uh, I look around at what's going on today, and I'm really concerned about the direction of the country. Where'd you uh, grow up? I grew up in Alabama. I went through high school in Birmingham. I went to college at the University of Texas, moved to Houston, then came to San Diego in 1986. So how, how, long, how long were you yeah. in Birmingham? Uh, through high school. What, do you mind my asking, what years would that have been? Oh, Lord, you're going to date me here. I know, I know. Uh, uh, all right, so I graduated high school in 1967. Okay, so Birmingham, Alabama in the 60s was a fairly active time, was it yes. not? I mean, you, saw, yes, you, it you, was. you witnessed some history. Absolutely. Uh, in my senior year of high school was the first year of integration. That's crazy. What was that like? I mean, that's that was huge. So that was uh, George Wallace that was the governor at that time, right? That's correct. I mean, that's right in the middle of, uh, of uh, you know, the civil rights and everything. in Birmingham, Alabama was right, you know, just like ground zero for a lot of that. That's really amazing. So talk about some of your memories of that. Sure. If, if uh, me and, uh, and the buddies wanted to go downtown uh, to watch a movie, uh, we would get on a, a public uh, bus. And if you were white, you sat in the front of the bus. And if you weren't, you'd sit in the back of the bus. When we got into the movie theater, if you were white, you sat down on the main floor. If not, you sat up in the, they call it the mezzanine or the balcony. If you went into a department store and you wanted to drink a water out of the water fountain, if you were white, it said white, and otherwise it said colored. So, you know, these distinctions were very clear. So when they talk about, you know, all this racism stuff today, uh, it, it just, it, it's ridiculous. Because you, you saw real racism. Of course, of course. And, and what were your thoughts at the time when you're growing up and you're seeing that? What, what you know, I, 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 a couple things come to mind. Either it was, you know, it was a big deal because people were making it a big deal. But I wonder if, you know, if you grew up around that, did it, did it seem normal? I mean, was there a point in your life where, it was kind of pointed out, and you were like, oh, my gosh, you're right. This is really ridiculous and wrong. Or, or did you always know it was wrong? Well, uh, that's interesting. You know, you, you know, your environment does play a role, and when you're used to hanging out with, you know, just white people like yourself, then that's kind of what you expect. But these changes come fairly easily, and, uh, you know, they weren't particularly rushed, but – People uh, acclimate, and all of a sudden, the new normal is that there is integration. Uh, an interesting thing, when I was growing up, you were either black or white, and you lived in your own neighborhoods. 
I went. I go back to visit regularly to see some family. I go down, and my little local barber shop is still there, and I'll be darned if it doesn't look the same. But what was of interest, when I used to get my hair cut in there, it looked like there were two guys that used to be out of the military with their flat tops or crew cuts. Today I go in there, and there were lady barbers, and in one chair, you know, was a, uh, a white boy from Auburn, and the other was a young man that was from India. And there weren't any Hispanics, there weren't any Asians, and I mean, the whole world has changed. So you were you you're a Republican, right? That's correct. Were you a Republican back then? Well, you know. I was never really active in politics, and the interesting thing is I've never been in politics till this date. So, I mean, did you have strong opinions? When all this is happening around you, did you have strong opinions either way? Uh, I, you know, I really did not. Uh, I, uh, I, I can absolutely say I did not. Uh, I just kind of rolled with the you know, with the punches and uh, didn't get in anybody's way. And uh, I guess it, it, politics uh, and social events wasn't an important thing to me when I was in my teens and my 20s. Well, it's because it was the Republican Party it, at that time in that place. It was the Republican Party that was that was uh, fighting for, um, you know, equality. And it was the Democrats that were all about uh um, you know, uh, they're the, they're the reason that you had the, you know, separate, but equal, you had the, the two water fountains, you had the, you know, uh, um, you know, two different, right. two different, sitting at two different places on the bus. That was all, those are all Democrat Jim Crow laws and your governor, uh, George Wallace, uh, was a, uh, candidate for, for president. He was trying to run as a Democrat, um, to basically nationalize and protect those laws. And, uh, you know, it's pretty crazy. The reason Nixon won the South is because your governor, George Wallace, uh, was running against, uh, I forget the other guy's name. I forget the other candidate's name. But, uh, um, they, but they split the vote. So you had racist Democrats in the South, and then you had not-so-racist Democrats in the South. They split the vote, and the minority at the time were the Republicans, and they, you know, Nixon swept the, the South because they, they, they split the vote and, and all the Republicans won. I would just imagine that would have a big impact on on why you're a Republican today. Does it not, or why are you a Republican today? Well, uh, let's fast forward. It's it's really more about what's happening today. Um, in, in, in this district, uh, let me say that the incumbent is a Democrat, Sarah Jacobs, She's voted. She's a, a, She's 33 years old and a first-term, a freshman uh, congresswoman, and she has voted along party lines with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. Now, not only am I concerned about the direction of the country, but when I go out and talk to people now in my district, they're very worried. And and and, and let me just tell you a couple of the issues. You go in a grocery store, and I and I'll go hang out at a grocery store, and I'll ask people coming out, does this have any impact on your standard of living? And they say, of course it does. And if you talk to anybody on a fixed income or anybody that's living paycheck to paycheck, this hurts. I had a, uh, a lady come out. She was said she was 83, and she didn't look it. Hey, Stan, stay on, yeah. the, stay on the line. We want to take you into the next segment, okay? All right, sure. All right, folks, you're listening to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961, AM 1170. The answer.
Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961. AM 1170. The answer. All right. So, wait, wait a minute. A key function. No, I don't know. I was totally unprepared. Totally. Uh, investigative journalist. Oh, no, no, no. You know what? In this we're gonna segment, we're going to keep talking to Stan, Stan. Kaplan. <laughs> Stan, how you doing, buddy? All right. I'm back here. Good. We got to read the commercial. Stan, hang on one second. Yeah. Dave's going to read sure. a commercial, and then we're going to keep talking to you. PRMI Mortgage Prime Res. Dot com slash alpine are you in the military are you looking for help for a va loan or if you're looking to buy or refi or if you're considering a reverse mortgage call our local mortgage guy that you can trust call chris wiley at prmi mortgage for nearly 25 years chris has been helping local san diegans with all their mortgage needs call chris wiley at 619-722-1303 or primeres.com slash alpine so i just thought it was fascinating stan that you grew up in birmingham alabama in the 60s when all that was happening so i'm glad you shared that with me and i really appreciated it um but uh we should probably talk about your race a little bit and you started talking a little bit about the district and some of the feedback you were getting so let's uh let's start with uh, what what makes you a republican why are you running as a republican uh, if I could give you a couple of just uh, real-life situations, that, that'll help uh, uh, understand this. Uh, so let me just finish with uh, the 83-year-old lady comes out of the grocery store, and it took five minutes for her to warm up to me. And finally she says, are you really a Republican? Are you really? You promise? I said, ma'am, please, here's my card. Look me up on my website. She says, you know, my, my husband is a veteran. We moved here. We're retired. And she says, we got our San Diego gas and electric bill, and we were shocked. And now at night, sometimes we put candles on instead of turning the lights on. Now, this is pathetic in the United States of America. Then she said, and then she really confided to me, and she said, and let me tell you, we're afraid to speak up. My son is a Democrat, and he won't talk to us. This is the kind of stuff I'm hearing from real people. I went to the, a gas station after that. A lady's in a van with her little boy, and I said, ma'am, are these higher gas prices have any, any impact on your standard of living? She says, well, we now can't afford to take day trips with the family. Okay? So that it reminds me, it, you know, Stan, it reminds me of a joke. I don't know if you've heard this joke, but what did socialists use before candles? What did socialists use for, for light before candles? All right. The electricity. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, right? Beautiful. All right, keep that's going. Where, and that's where we're headed. So that, you know, and, and again, one of your commercials even hit on this critical race theory. I mean, my parents are mad as hell. They're tired of being called terrorists. They're taking away your constitutional rights, which includes the Second Amendment. And, and, and the government is expanding like crazy. They're overreaching. These mandates are out of control. And it's just their way to get more power. And from listening to real people that work for a living, now I understand why you hear, hear the phrase on TV, you know, these people in Washington or New York or Silicon Valley, they are 
out of touch with what's going on in this country. So what do you want to do? What are your priorities? Okay. So first of all, I think we need more people like uh, you and me up there instead of the current quote politicians. So handsome people. You're talking. You want to? That, that's right. You yeah. smart and handsome. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I'm with you. Okay, I'm with you. I, I support that plank. What, what else you got? All right, and people, they have to like the country. They they have to want to continue to have capitalism and you know and freedoms as outlined in your constitution. They have to be able to, if they, you know, want to have a small business, they need to be able to have the right to flourish in that business, not have it closed down and let, you know, the big guys, uh, you know, take over all of their business. Uh, this COVID, uh, they allowed that to be the reason for running small businesses out of business, and it's a shame. And that, in my opinion, along with what they're teaching these kids today, is really taking away initiative, ambition. There's this uh, – they're trying to make people be reliant on the government for support. And it's never been more obvious when they float these trillions of dollars out there to pay people not to work. So I hope I know I'm going off on tangents here, but it all comes together to create a different society, and that's why I'm running. Back to what I can do about it. Well, actually, Stan, Joe's got a question for you, real quick, bud. Sure. Yeah, hang on, Stan. Yeah, you're actually not on a tangent. You're right. You're going right down the line. I was going to go down with you anyway. The um, you know, the problem with the republic. Well, at, at least here locally, our Republican Party's infested with swamp Republicans. And they're doing all the things you're just describing, and it's the same way at the federal level. So as a new representative, when you get up there, what what can you do to fix that? Because we can't go forward in this country without getting rid of those kinds of Republicans and getting good men and women elected that actually care about the country, like you were just saying. So what, what can you do if you get there? You know, I honestly don't know what I can do alone I'm hoping, and I'm starting to see in races around the country, people like myself start to stand up. Again, at my age, see, I'm not afraid they can't woke me or cancel me or get me fired. I mean, you know, I'm going to get up there and make noise. I, what you hear right now is what they're going to hear up there. I mean, when I look at these people that have been, you know, rotting in solitary confinement for over a year, um, well, you know, why aren't the Republicans doing something about that? I mean, there's just a number of things they just – they don't have any backbone. And, and we just need a majority of people that are willing to fight, fight for people's rights that will speak up. These people get in there. I guess they become corrupted. Uh, it's an easy job, I guess. They get influenced. They make good friends. They get to go to good parties. They get big contributions, and it gets to be just get along, go along. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, you're talking about Daryl Issa. <laughs> no, no. I'm not, <laughs> I thought that's where I was reading between the lines there, Stan. All right, you know what? Uh, Action Jackson's got a question for you. Sure, go ahead. Go for it, bud. What's your favorite gun? Good question. Oh, that is a good one. Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, I haven't had to use it. I used to like to do this uh, trap and 
skeet shooting. So I do uh, enjoy shooting a shotgun. Uh, for home defense, I think a good 12-gauge with a double lot will do the trick. So we got like a minute and a half. Tell us everything. We've covered a lot of, of uh, information. And uh, uh, tell us uh, everything you know about the Second Amendment and guns. What, what are your, what's your take on the right to keep and bear arms? All right. If you look at my website, uh, I've got under priority Second Amendment, and I'm just going to read what I've got on there. Go and anybody, can, uh, do not touch this constitutional right. Absolute 100% support. American citizens must have the right to keep and bear arms for personal security and protection. And uh, if if I can give out my website, please, it's Kaplan for Congress. C-A-P-L-A-N-F-O-R-C-O-N-G-R-E-S-S dot com. All right, cool. All right. What's going to be the key to winning? I worked my butt off, and uh, i got to make this primary uh, real close, and then maybe I'll get the support of the National uh, Republican uh, Party and some big donors and people that are fed up. And if anybody has $10 to put in, I appreciate it. But I'm and, on go. Because you're running against uh, Sarah J. I mean, it, it's the, she's the, you know, what, Qualcomm uh, princess. And she's yes. absolutely ridiculous. I have no idea how she got elected. She has no business being in Congress. Let me, let me tell you a factoid what I just learned. You are limited as to how much you can contribute to my campaign. The candidate is unlimited. Right. Now tell me something's not wrong with this. And, and I'll well, it's First Amendment. I, I actually support yeah. that. It's tough, but that's the First Amendment. You know, I get to spend my money how I want. If I want to send, uh, if I want to spend my money on uh, getting out a message for me to run for office, I should be able to do that. That's that. You know, that's the Citizens United thing. I'm actually all for that. Okay, Stan, what's your what's your website? Okay, Kaplan for Congress. C A P L A N F O R C O N G R E S S dot com. Thanks for being on the show, and I got to tell you, I'd focus on your upbringing a little bit more. That the fact that you're where you were when you were when you were there in Birmingham, I think that's really interesting. I think that resonates with people, and thank you for sharing that with us. You're welcome, and thank you so much for having me. Take care, Stan. All right, folks. Hey, don't touch that dial. Melissa Miller is in the house. This is Gun Owners Radio. It's FM. Melissa Lee, I think. I mean Lee. I'm sorry. What did I say, Miller? Not, Not Miller, Miller time Lee, yet. No, I know a girl that races Nissan. Her name's Melissa Miller. Oh. Right here on Gun Hunters Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Hunters Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Melissa has an interesting product review next. A lot of CCW holders carry a knife as part of their everyday carry kit. This, pro- this uh, next product is actually an accessory for your knives. Learn about it next. But first, clean, lube, and protect your guns faster and easier with CL1. CL1 CLP Plus is also natural, non-toxic, and environmentally friendly. And are you tired of smelling like a guns, uh, gas station after cleaning your guns? Try CL1. Ask for it by name at your local gun shop, or you can get some on their website, CL1.com. That's seal one the number one dot com clean your guns faster better and with seal one all right melissa how are you i'm good how are you fantastic you have a really cool gear review for us i do um this is something a little different not gun related but it is um edc related okay um so what's edc stand for 
every day carry. Yes, ma'am, it does. Yes, it does. Um, so I know a lot of people carry knives in their pockets. I do. I carry multiple knives on me all the time. Um, sometimes um, it's kind of hard to open. And I took a knife class day after gun prom. No. And we did this, you know, knife these knife drills with a little hook. So if you guys see this, there's like a little hook on the, the knife. And um, I'm going to have Joe demonstrate this for me. Let's stick it in your pocket. This is actually an easy deploy. There's These are on knives all the time. Um, you'll find them like uh, on Emerson knives or Kershaw's and stuff like that. But not all knives have this little hook. So let me bring it over here. Here you go, Joe. So let's stick that in your pocket. Okay. So uh, let's see. So try this with no practice. Oh, actually, I, I, I'm lying, right? He <laughs> just two, two practiced like two, two Okay, twice. so this is only with two, uh, two practice things. But the idea here is you grab the knife. As it comes out, that hook hooks and opens it up. So we'll come out and do it again. <laughs> you got to turn idea. it around, don't you? I don't know. I think I was here. I only practiced twice. We should get a, we should get a drum roll. So you have to have a clip it, to the... If it comes out, the clip... It hooks and it opens. Oh wow! Like that. Let's try this one more time because you uh, did it better last time. I did it perfectly <laughs> two times without any practice at all. So let's see. It just comes out. There you go. And there you it go. Opens open. There you opens go. up like that. That saves valuable fraction, fractions of seconds right there. Just to deploy it. Yeah. It's easy. It's super easy to deploy when it's coming out of your pocket. Yes. Um. So um. Try do again, I have see. Rob with me? Did he call in? Okay, I'm going to introduce you to Rob. Um, he is from Snaggletooth Tactical, who actually um, made these um, accessories, knife accessories. Hi, Rob. How you doing? Good. Uh, thank you for joining me. And tell me, tell me about your background, and tell me how you came about this Snaggletooth knife accessory. So uh, I'm a machinist, and my nephew was into cold steel knives, and he did the uh, zip tie, so a lot of people remove the thumb studs, they put a zip tie in place, and then it acts almost like the Emerson Wave feature, except it's unsightly, you lose your thumb stud, and it's not as reliable. So he asked me if I could design something, and I designed a the product that you see now. Uh, we decided to build an injection mold, and we started making these out of Delrin. Um, and they actually started selling pretty good. We were surprised. We got a good uh, reception from the knife community. They accepted it very well. So then we stepped it up a little bit with uh, aluminum version. And from there, we started working on uh, modifications like uh, karambit rings to add to cold steel knives. We have it for the Recon 1 and the Code 4 right now. And all our products are made in the USA by us. Yeah, they're fantastic. I, I've been using it for the past week, and I absolutely love it. And the knife that you sent to, the Penguin, yep. very smooth opening. I think that's probably one of my favorites, and it's going to be my go-to from now on. Um, it is a great, it's a great knife. When you start getting into some of the um, harder-use knives, like the Recons, they're a little stiffer because of the triad lock, but it still works. It just needs a little more practice. But on these these smaller um, these, like the QSP Penguin, the Rat 1, the Rat 2, they work great with the liner locks or uh, Benchmates. They work fantastic on the Benchmates. I love Benchmade knives, too. Yeah, they're great. Like, so, I have a Griptilian that I hike with, and it's phenomenal. 
you sent me some samples here, and I wanted to show everybody. They do come in two sizes, these accessories, for bigger knives, the regular size, and yep. then for the minis. They got a little yep. mini version, so for smaller pocket knives. Um, Correct. So I have to tell everybody, you have to have a hole, like a, an existing thumb. A thumb stud, A yeah. thumb stud on your knife in order to install this. I mean, unless you're a machinist and you can drill your own hole in your, your blade. Um, so you actually have YouTube videos where you show how to remove these as well, correct? Yes, we have, uh, we have quite a few YouTube videos. Some, some of the videos are knife specific to show you how to do it on a rat one or the mini bug out. Um, we try to make it as universal as possible. There, you know, like a spider co has a huge spidey hole on it. So we don't, we stay away from that. There's other guys that do it that are specific to the spider co but ours are as universal as you could get to fit as many manufacturers and models as possible and we do have a compatibility chart on our website uh with photos so you could see what your knife looks like with the snaggle tooth i yeah I, I like that um that guide on the website it's really useful thank you um right here i'm, I'm showing you here i'm pointing to like a classic Emerson knife where it has the pocket hook there. Yes. Um, that's built in. A lot of the time when I was practicing too, um, during that class, I was using a dummy knife that was just like this. When I was using this, it was already tearing up the corner of my, my pocket, my the jeans. Pocket. Yeah. So, and it's very, it's very pointy. So, and, you, and because the blade is so like stiff to deploy, you have to like pull extra hard. Um, yours, I have to tell you, one thing that I noticed about yours that's different from everybody else's, it's smooth. It's more round, um, it's very lower profile. Easy. Yep, it's very easy on the pockets. So it doesn't tear up the corners of my pockets, and it doesn't yeah. tear up the corners of my yoga pants, because I stick it in my <laughs> yoga pants, too, the pockets of my yoga pants. That's actually great advertisement that they actually work in yoga pants. <laughs> we're, trying to, we're trying to build up our female ownership of snaggle teeth. Okay, well. Here, I'm here. I'm, I'm going to vouch for you because these actually work in my yoga pants. These are great. They also, great, they also work great off of a, uh, a pocketbook or purse strap. We've tested that. We have to make videos on that. Oh, um, I can do that for you because I have a purse that I actually wanted to put one on. Um, so your aluminum ones, which I have here, um, yes. are they retail for twenty two ninety nine. Yes. And then the Delrin, which is... Can you describe what a Delrin is? Because I didn't know what that was. So Delrin is a plastic. It's it's a very stiff, uh, resilient plastic. Uh, so people have different ideas of tough or strength. or So it's fairly hard. It's, it's stiff, so it almost acts like a spring. Um, so it, it is a good candidate for this product because it has a little bit of a spring back, so you have a little bit of flexibility with it so it won't just snap if it was too hard it would snap um delrin is used for bushings uh plastic springs but you can't have metal so it's it's, it's a good what they call an engineering resin it's it's tough right so those ones retail for 13.99 so these are very um affordable so mm -hmm. here's my knife i want to show you my one of my knives my one of my favorite knives is this budget kershaw i love it um, however, it never had, I can never find one of those Kershaw's with this 
this little pocket hook so I can deploy quick. So I'm going to take off this thumb stud and um, install one of your snaggle teeth on here, on one of these. So, um, and I watched your videos, so as long as I have vice, uh, like a vice grip, then I think that I can do this on my own. Um, it's not that hard to, to, you know, to install. So I'm going, so Joe, what do you think about this? I'm gonna, you, you can tell me your thoughts on this. I'm gonna show you what it looks like coming from the yoga pants too. No, you know, actually, uh, it was funny when we were just uh, doing this on camera because the first couple of times I tried, it was really easy. And I think just, um, I mean, it doesn't take much practice at all to get that to work, right? So uh, it's more, I think, from my point of view, it was more getting used to, wow, the knife's open uh, <laughs> when it comes out. <laughs> so paying attention to it. But as well, you can see what Melissa's doing now, that just, uh, I mean, it pops right open. It works really well. Yeah, especially on those knives like that. Those Those knives open very smoothly. And it almost becomes fidgety, like you do it just for fun. You know, just pull them out of your pocket, and it, it just instantly deploys. Super easy to deploy. This knife that you gave me, though, it's, it makes it much easier and nicer on the pocket, so I don't have to pull as much. Um, so that helps. Uh, your warranty. You just stand behind your product. So if you, somebody has a problem with it, then you just... Yeah, they just contact me, and we'll make... We'll, we'll satisfy our customers. Great. That, nice. That's a great warranty. Where are you out of? We are out of New Jersey. I was going to say, I thought a little bit of an, an accent there. <laughs> we hear it. Yeah. I get that. I, I don't have an accent. Yeah. The rest of the world does. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's funny. Whenever I travel outside of New Jersey, everyone equates us to the Sopranos, and they always want us to talk like the Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> so... I want to remind everybody that if you don't have one of these fast deploy hooks on your knives, now you can put one on, which is great because I have a hard time finding this little hook on knives that I want to buy. Now, as long as it has a thumb stud, we can now install a little hook to deploy fast out of pocket. And so, it's not only for self-defense. It is a great practical um, accessory. Like... Uh, I do sometimes electrical work at, at my job, at my day job, and I'm on a ladder running wires, and you just deploy a knife. It's, it's great if you have one hand occupied. It's not like you can't deploy it with one hand, but it's so much easier just pulling out of your pocket and it's already open. So a lot of, a lot of customers contact me. I had several electricians, and they, they say it's great. They're up on the ladder and, or in a tight, confined area, and they could just pull it out and... It's open. Yeah, I It'll love work. it. So if you want to get one, go to snaggletoothmf.com. That's snaggletoothmf.com. Thank you so much for sending me these, and thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. This was great. I appreciate it. All right. If you have any other questions, just contact me. All right. Thank you. All right. All right, folks. Hey, shooting sports in Southern California for the kids. Learn a whole lot more next. Listen right here on KCBQ. Don't touch that dial. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Our brand of Second Amendment activism is bigger than San Diego. Do you know we also have groups in Orange County and Inland Empire? 
Our numbers are growing and we're spreading across California. Learn a whole lot more on our pack at orangecountygunowners.com or inlandempiregunowners.com. Visit the website, get on the mailing list, join uh, an event where you can, uh, connect with uh, other gun owners, and help support the Second Amendment. You know, one of my favorite things to do, although you haven't done it in a while, is go uh, shoot sporting clays. And uh, I, I really, uh, before I got into activism, didn't do a whole lot of that. But now it, it's fun. It's just a whole lot of fun. Joe outshoots me every time, and he's mm-hmm. got a, uh, a, 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 like, you know, we're both shooting, like, like bottom-of-the-barrel shotguns, and we still uh, get not, through. Not anymore. Oh, did you get a good one? I did. That's cheating. That's <laughs> cheating. I suppose you're going to practice it's now, not too. not the gun. Well, it's found... the shooter. <laughs> Even my old my old shotgun's not bottom of the barrel, but I just found out the other day that John Moses Browning designed my Ithaca Model 37 pump. Oh, wow. Well, I there did you not go. know that. So I... do you think the gun makes the shooter, not the shooter makes the gun? No, I think it's the yeah, shooter. It's always, it's always the gun. <laughs> Depends on how you do. If I come in first, it's the shooter. <laughs> uh, if you come in last, come it's, in last it's, it's that the, dang it's gun. The gun. Yep. It's the shooter. I actually got to get a new gun, too. I, my, I shipped my... Uh, uh, my mine off to uh, the kid Sam the gunman. So mm-hmm. anyway, the whole point here is not. <laughs> what is not, the point here? <laughs> let's get to the point here. Uh, Jennifer Silfies is with uh, the Redlands Youth Clay Shoot, and we're going to talk to her. Jennifer, are you there? I'm here. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. Now, what's your what's your answer? Is it the shooter or is it the gun? Oh, you know, it's difficult. I will have to say, I'm just going to go with a shooter because we have a bunch of fantastic <laughs> kids that could probably outshoot some good adults. So um, I'm just going to go with a shooter. <laughs> All right, that's fair enough. Uh, now, tell us, what is the Redlands Youth Clay Sports? Um, well, Redlands Youth Clay Shooting Sports is actually a, a 5013C. So we're a nonprofit organization. And what we do is we actually fund the Redlands Clay Crushers Youth Shooting Team. Um, It started back in about 2013. We started off with eight kids. Back then we were known as the Barrel Blasters. Um, And then we've progressed now to about 43 kids on our roster. Um, So we've grown. We we grew exponentially um, when the pandemic hit. Why? Why, why do you think from number? Why do you think that that you know, what was the catalyst there? Why do you think was it related or a coincidence? You know, I, I I would love to say it was just coincidence, but I I don't think so. Um, I think parents were just looking for a way to keep their kids still involved in some sort of sports activity. Um, obviously, we're primarily an outdoor sport. Um, so I think that's what, that's what did it. You know, baseball wasn't available, basketball, all those other sports weren't available at the time. Um, and we were fortunate enough, you know, trap is you're six feet apart, um, when you're at your posts. So that kind of left an opening for parents to be able to bring their kids somewhere else and try something new. Um, I wanted to tell you that, um, I coach, um, junior trap at my local club that I belong to. And I'm going to tell you, it is so rewarding to teach kids and encourage them yes. to shoot trap. And like, especially when they've never shot a gun in their life or they've never shot a shotgun and they're holding a 20 gauge or a 12 gauge and they miss and you kind of give them little corrections and 
little tips here and there, and then they finally get it, their face just lights up. It's rewarding. Yes, yes. We've had, um, because our kids range from about 10 um, to about high school, senior year, high school, 18, 19. Um, And we do, we get a lot of young kids, you know, typically 10, 11 years old who've never participated in anything like this. And, man, that first target they hit, it's like their face just lights up, like they couldn't believe that they're capable of something like that. So it is extremely rewarding. Um, And our coaches are all volunteers. Um, you know, so they they get nothing but just the satisfaction to help these kids improve. That's cool. Yeah, you know, Jennifer, it's so cool that you're you're doing what you're doing because just shooting clays is just so so much fun, and it's great to bring uh, kids into that. With um, now that COVID's been completely eradicated throughout the United States, um, do you expect your group to keep growing, uh, or do you expect to see some kind of downside to that? Oh, I loved how you plugged that in there. Um, (laughs) You know what? I actually think our numbers, our goal is to maintain our numbers or to continue to have it grow. Um, What trap shooting affords kids are, you know, some some kids aren't into baseball or basketball or football or those more traditional sports. Um, So this really allows them a different outlet. Um, We have a lot of kids who do homeschooling. Um, and we have kids that are in charter schools that don't typically have a sports program. Um, so this really offers them an alternative. Uh, and what usually happens is, you know, they, they get their first 10 or 15 targets and they're hooked. You know, now they want to do skeet and we have, we've expanded. We started off with just trap. We've expanded to international trap now and skeet and sporting clay. So our kids really get to try um, a lot of the different disciplines in uh, clay sports. Yeah, see, and I think they're really going to be hooked on that, too, because uh, we see this a lot because we work with a lot of new shooters and um, first-time shooters and, you know, things like women on target. And uh, Melissa was talking about, you know, coaching the junior trap uh, people. And, you know, when people do that for the first time, when kids do it for the first time, it's like, wow, this is so cool. And I think maybe initially it's okay. I got to get out of the house here. I want to do something. Everything else is closed. But I think once they do it, I think you really do have them hooked. I think your uh, your prospects are really good. I think going forward with that, I think so too. And you know, it's also a way for us to really promote um, this more Second Amendment mindset. We teach absolutely gun safety. That's our first and foremost priority when it comes to the kids. Um, And then, you know, it's fascinating because these kids started off just trap shooting. Now they're going hunting with their parents. You know, they're, they're going into different, they're wanting to learn how to shoot rifles and handguns. And it's, they're really just beginning to explore um, different avenues when it comes to second amendment. I mean, the families are, they go on hunting trips. Now we do, we plan outings with the kids, and it's really turned into this wonderful family environment um, where people feel safe um, to discuss things, you know, like shooting sports or, you know, um, whatever other else, Second Amendment-wise. And it, and it just really turned into this wonderful family. Um, is this a free program for the kids, or is this like a donation-based program? So, um well, so we don't 
charge anything except a membership for Scholastic um, CTP, Scholastic Clay Target Sports. Um, and what we that's a $25 uh, a year membership for that. They hold our uh, insurance, um, and it gives the kids a membership so that their targets are registered, basically. Um, other than that, we we do a lot of fundraising. We actually have a fundraising shoot coming up in April, our Ironman shoot. And then what the nonprofit does is we try to subsidize because the cost is, you know, can be a little bit overwhelming between the ammunition and the target fees. Um, but we try to subsidize a lot of those costs. Um, we have, we shoot, we practice out of Redlands Shooting Park. So they have, um, shotguns there that they allow the kids to rent. Uh, so we try to minimize the cost as much as possible, but to get started in it, it's very minimal. It's $25 basically to join the team. And then you can come and shoot as often or practice as often as you'd like. Um, and we do a lot of fundraising to subsidize the cost. Hey, my buddy Action Jackson's got a question for you. Sure. <laughs> What's your favorite shotgun? Good question. Oh, goodness. Okay. So I personally, um, I personally shoot a good old pump Mossberg 500, the workhorse. I don't shoot trap that often. It's not a trap gun. Um, but I'm going to have to tell you, Action Jackson, that I think my favorite has to be uh, my son's Parazzi. Wow, that sounds yes. expensive. Uh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds a foreign, Italian shotgun. That sounds expensive. Uh, it is expensive. But, um, you know, it's it's one of those sports where really you can go in and shoot with a, like a good old Mossberg 500. That's what I shoot with. Um, your mid-grade is typically a browning, a lot of uh, – kids shoot a browning satori out there and then you know you have your higher end but that's what i'm going to tell you right now there's nothing more fun than trying to hit those clays with a with a pump gun i agree that's joe and (laughs) i very empowering joe and i were using well i i I thought we were using a pump he's cheating on me now he's getting a a fancy gun where he can actually hit the targets but i only a mid-grade it's only the satori (laughs) i agree though i really i i think that uh, it's a lot of fun using a pump now how did you personally get into this sport um you know what to be perfectly honest i started off shooting handguns um a lot I uh, started with the Women on Target program. Um, I was one of those individuals that wanted to learn and wanted to be able to protect my children, but I wasn't really comfortable having my children necessarily participate as of yet. So, um, you know, my husband, my son didn't do so great at baseball. Um, he didn't really want to play any other sports. We stumbled upon Redland Shooting Park and they had this youth program. Um, and then he just went all in. I happen to be one of those uh, moms that cannot not be involved. <laughs> so I ended up just, they, they call me the team mom. So now, how do people, I end up just. Anybody ahead, in I'm the, uh, anybody that's uh, close to Redlands or I guess anywhere, anywhere near the Inland Empire area, how are they, how are they, how can they find you guys? 
Well, they can either go on redlandsshootingpark.com slash youth, or they can go ahead and send us an email at youthclaysports at gmail.com. Um, they can go ahead and find out how to go and join the team. Um, we're always looking for sponsors or donations. Like I said, we have a big shoot coming up in April. We're trying to start a scholarship program for some of the youth in the Southern California area so we can help with college. Um, so how do people give you money? Well, they can give us money the good old-fashioned way. They can go ahead and um, we do have, like I said, email youthclaysports at gmail.com. We have a PayPal account. Our PayPal email is the youthclaysports at gmail.com. They can always send it um, there as well. They can always drop by Redland Shooting Park after they shoot a couple of rounds of traps. We're more than happy to uh, take their donation to the youth team there as well. Cool. Um, Thanks. Appreciate yeah, it. So what a great program. And thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for being a great part of it. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate your time. All right. Cool. Hey, stick around to stump my nephew. And you can't hear it if you're not listening to KCBQ. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961. AM 1170. The answer. Hey, we're so excited to welcome Leo Hamill, Fine Jewelry, uh, as our show sponsor. When it comes to jewelry, Leo Hamill is the one-stop shop for all your needs. Engagement rings, diamond jewelry, designer jewelry, fine watches, new, vintage, pre-owned. Uh, they sell it all at the best prices. Find the perfect gift, get help with repairs, get it appraised. Leo also, also buys your gold, jewelry, and coins for top prices. Did you know that Leo is a fierce Second Amendment advocate? Leo also founding board member of San Diego County Gun Owners. When you shop at Leo Hamill's Dono, not only will you find the perfect gift for your wife, you'll also be supporting the Second Amendment. Second Amendment. So support the companies that support the Second Amendment. Make your shopping easy and give the store a call to get their free, beautiful monthly catalog. 619-299-1500 or you can visit their website at leohamill.com awesome selection service and deals and if you if you go to the, the the store in old town go next door to leo fit he's got this really cool high-tech gym which is really really it's it's pretty neat i think yeah. i'm actually a huge i fan. love your rolex i don't i don't have a rolex yes you do i don't even have do i have a rolex on action jackson sure he does tell him no no <laughs> so uh oh you don't have a mic that's why so that was a. Uh, I thought that was really cool. The uh, the lady that we talked to about the trap mm-hmm. league, the youth trap league. I, I'm happy to hear that. It feels like, uh, you know, we I, we get that question a lot about, you know, youth. What are we doing to reach out for youth? And you know, and it feels like gun owners are getting older and older every year. So it's kind of neat that they have that going on. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Action Jackson, have you ever shot skeet? No. Are you going to? Uh, hopefully, eventually. We'll just have to get a shotgun and chop the front off and chop the back off, and it'll fit. I already have a shotgun. What do you got? 
410 shotgun. Oh, yeah? Well, then you can shoot Clay. You can go out there with Uncle Mikey. I bet you can beat him. I bet you can. Maybe. Come on. Where's that confidence? He's he's too tall. We'll go. Uh, we'll go out to uh, P2K. They got a, they got a couple of trap uh, uh, machines machines there, and we'll uh, we'll do that. And then we'll post a we'll post a meme of uh, Star Wars meme with Admiral Akbar, and under it we'll say it's trap. There you go. <laughs> what do you think of that? All right. Okay. So here we go. Now it's time for everybody's favorite segment. Uh, Sam, the gunman, is my nephew. The segment's called Stump, my nephew. We found out years ago that. Uh, that Sam is awesome with gun trivia. So if you send us a gun trivia question, we use it on the air, we'll send you a hat or a shirt. If you stump my nephew, which is rare, um, but occasionally happens, but very rare, then you're going to get a very special prize. I think the last person to stump him got two tickets to Gun Prom. Gun Prom, coming up June 18th. If you haven't bought your tickets yet, go to gunprom.com. Buy your tickets, buy your table, go to Gun Prom. It's a whole lot of fun. Sam, you there? Yeah, how are you guys? Good, dude. How are you? Not bad. All right. You ready for the question? Yeah, let's have it. All right. How are you feeling? Are you feeling good? You, you feeling confident? Uh, I don't know. I don't want to jinx it. <laughs> Smart man. All right. Here you go. Jackson, lay it on him. Allison from Denmark asks, what is a polygonal rifling? That was Allison from, what did you say, Delmar? Delmar. Okay. And there was a little bit of a debate, by the way. We're not sure if it's polygonal rifling or polygonal. Polygonal sounds, well, it sounds naughty, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> polygonal. Um, we didn't have a lot of confidence in polygonal. It sounds, well, the, sounds the very root Utah. Word there is pronounced polygon, but I've usually heard the word, the full word pronounced polygonal, so I'm going to go with that. Right. Um, if, mm. if any of you are um, uh, mechanical engineers on the line. Um, so. Let, um, let me explain that. By, let me explain polygonal rifling by explaining normal rifling. In most rifled barrels, in almost all firearms you see out there today, uh, if you uh, say you you disassemble the firearm safely and um, point it at a light source and look through the barrel from the breech end toward the muzzle, you'll notice a series of spiral grooves. And the way barrels are made is they'll either um, hammer the barrel blank around a mandrel that has those grooves sticking out of it, or they'll drive what's called a button through the barrel that cuts those grooves into it. Polygonal rifling is different from that. Instead of having a conventional lands and grooves arrangement, um, the interior shape of the barrel, sort of the cross section, is more like uh, a hexagon or an octagon, depending on the caliber and the manufacturer. And... Um, that's supposed to be more durable, and supposedly it contributes a little bit to muzzle velocity, but really I think, the, as far as I'm aware, the biggest advantage is uh, that it's supposed to be more durable that way. That's interesting. I would have said, if you'd asked me what polygonal rifling is, it, it, meant, it meant that you could have more than one rifling. Uh, but that's not what it means. That's supposed to be... Brum, brum. <laughs> Apparently not. All right, so polygonal rifling is, by the way, you got it right. Totally Absolutely. nailed it. Polygonal rifling mm -hmm. is a type of gun rifling, uh, type of gun barrel rifling, where the traditional sharp-edged lands and grooves are replaced by less pronounced hills and valleys. So the barrel bore has a polygonal, usually hexagonal or octagonal cross-sectional profile. 
The advantages include less susceptibility to barrel failure, a better gas seal around the bullet, less bullet uh, deformation, reduced buildup of copper and lead, and prolonged barrel life. So there's a lot of advantages. I wonder why why would they even do like the hammer forged or the uh, you know the, the Lanziger? Why would they even? Why don't they? Why aren't they? It sounds like there's a lot of advantages. Why aren't they all polygonal? Any idea? Um, as now I'm I am not I don't work in manufacturing so I might be a little bit off on this but as I understand it to make a polygonally rifled barrel you kind of need to hammer forge it whereas with conventional rifling you can use button rifling as well which is a little bit of a less expensive technique uh, hammer forging tends to be more expensive It's interesting it's, I feel like the like the oct- 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 octagonal Am I saying that right? Octagonal. Octagonal. <laughs> the octagonal uh, uh, barrels seem a little more old school, like the old Henrys and some of the you know older ones. Is it is it is it dated? Do they just not do that anymore? No. What you're thinking of is the exterior profile of the barrel, which is completely different. Really? Okay, that's interesting. So talk about that. What like what rifling? Yeah. Go home and clear one of your Glocks and take it apart and look through the barrel and you'll see that that sort of smooth polygonal rifling. Um, in most calibers, uh, it'll be six sides. It'll be hexagonal. In uh, 45, like in your Glock 30, it'll be uh, eight sides. It'll be octagonal. octagonal. How does he know that? Did you write all that down? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Because you're going to go home and figure out how to take your gun apart. Well, yeah. I'm going to get Jackson, Jackson to show me how to do take it. it apart. You know how to take a gun apart, buddy? For the most part. All right, that's close enough. Yeah. As long as you don't ask me to put it together. Close enough for government work. All right, cool. Um, what's another example? What's a, what, so our most? What's another example? Like for like say a rifle that's that's got uh, polygonal rifling. Um, like a long gun. Yeah, I don't know about. Um, Are you trying to stump of him? HK's long guns? But I know at least the XM8, which never really went anywhere, had polygonal rifling. Um, again, I don't know if uh, like the G36 has that. I'm inclined to say yes, but don't quote me. Um, it's a lot more common on pistols than on long guns. Oh, that's interesting. Any idea why? Just just price. Um, again, I don't work in manufacturing, so I may be a bit off on this, but because pistol barrels are smaller, um, it is much easier to justify the uh, slight increase in cost from manufacturing something that small using uh, a better method, um, whereas me- like you, you typically don't see button-rifled pistol barrels. Uh, most of them are hammer-forged. It's not a big deal, but a lot of rifle barrels are button-rifled, and um, again, I don't think you can do uh, polygonal rifling with a button. Button rifle pistol barrel. That's like a. That sounds like an old like like an old '50s song that you'd hear on the uh, you know on the, like a big band era. Anyway, all right, cool. You know, I, I got to tell you, I'm always impressed. There's even the simplest of questions you make extremely interesting. I really I did not anticipate that question uh, having such an interesting. So answer what does he win? So uh, he wins uh, bragging rights. Oh, okay. He br- he wins the Action Jackson's uh, admiration and respect, and a ticket to gun prom, and a ticket to gun prom. There you go. First class airfare round trip. Jackson really looks up to him, but that's it's more of a hype. But everybody but, does. You know. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, buddy. Folks, subscribe to our show. You can find us on your favorite podcast app, YouTube, Instagram. Please support our great sponsor, San Diego County Gun Owners. 
U.S. Law Shield, Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Sage Digital Marketing, CO1, Leo Hamill, Fine Jewelry, thanks to Joe Jamisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, Melissa Lee, Action Jackson, and our good buddy Chris right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.